Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald. It is Friday, December 16th, and this is the Executive Girlfriends Group call. And it is my pleasure uh, to have as our guest today Angie Morgan. And Angie is one of the co-authors of a book called Leading from the Front, No Excuse Leadership Tactics for Women. Angie, you have a very, very interesting background, but I'd like for you to uh, give it to us from your perspective rather than me just reading from the flyleaf of a book. So why don't you uh, give us a little bit of insight into you? Well, thank you so much, Chicky, and thank you for everybody uh, on the call today as well. Uh, just to hi- give them highlights of my background, I think probably the thing that is most relevant to Leading from the Front, the book that I co-authored, is that I served in the Marine Corps after I graduated from college. It was a crazy decision, uh, not a really typical decision. There's 180,000 <laughs> Marines in the Marine Corps. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only 1,000 of those, you know, of the hundreds of thousands are only 1,000 are female Marine officers, so a, a true minority in this organization. But in the process, I learned a tremendous, tremendous amount about leadership. And much of what I learned, I think, during my time in uniform, I took for granted, as did my business partner and co-author, Courtney Lynch. It wasn't until we left active duty and started working in the private sector that we really appreciated the leadership skills we developed, so much so that we decided to co-author a book together on the topic of Marine Corps-inspired leadership principles. But also, too, we formed a consulting firm, um, and that was approximately eight years ago, to help share with professionals everywhere leadership skills, and that's what we do through LeadStar our firm, and through the process, it was one of the things that we realized is that most professionals don't get formal leadership development opportunities. Those professionals who are good at leadership uh, develop those qualities on a hunch or on a whim, or perhaps they had a really good role model. But again, most professionals don't don't learn how to lead, at least not to the extent we did during our time in uniform. <laughs> so it was a skill set we we're excited to share. Yeah, I was going to say that's really an understatement. I uh, I did an interview a couple of years ago on my radio show of a uh, a guy named J.J. Constant uh, who wrote a book about the Afghan uh, theater uh, of war. And, mm-hmm. and he was, I want to say, 21 or 22, but, you know, was out there leading, uh, you know, his platoon in life or death uh decision making and and I remember after interviewing him thinking why in the world doesn't corporate america get you know what uh value it would be to hire these young marines who are coming back who have been in those situations and have led others you know really and again not on a gut or a whim but you know on trained uh, you know, instinct, yes, but, uh, you know, the training uh, around becoming a Marine and, and what it takes, uh, you know, to transition that into corporate leadership. So, you know, that kind of uh, sets us up for the way that the book is structured, which is really beginning by talking about, you know, becoming Marines and then, you know, after that, you know, realizing that what you had really signed up for was leadership. Exactly. And the way, too, that we organized our book was in 10 chapters and 10 leadership principles. If you're looking to lead, this is the guidance that, again, inspired by our Marine Corps experiences, but also too relevant to a private sector professional or even, again, nonprofit or government professional as well. Not everything in the Marine Corps translates well to a corporate environment, (laughs) but, but there are some good nuggets there, and that's what we were looking to share. 
Well, let's start with the first one, and, and uh, perhaps you can uh, share some background stories uh, that, that you incorporated into the book, mm-hmm. uh, just to give our, our listeners a taste. And uh, the first one is meet and exceed the standards that you ask of others. Lead from the front. Great. And I, really, when you, we're looking at the very first chapter, it's the foundation on which anyone can build their leadership style, or I should say should build their leadership style, because what it has to do uh, deal with is credibility. You know, if, if you're looking to lead, if you, and the way we define a leader isn't by positional authority or power. We define a leader as someone who influences outcomes and inspires others. And through my consulting work, too, you know, you go inside organizations. Sometimes the most influential and inspirational people aren't the title holders. Uh, you know, again, there are individual contributors out there who just do a good job. So, again, through our definite leadership, definition of leadership, if you're looking to influence and inspire, you have to be credible among those who you're looking to lead. So the first chapter, Meet and Exceed Standards, is really about if you want to influence people, you can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. You, again, you have to be the model of the leadership that others aspire to. Uh, we have a phrase really popular. It's not included in the book. It's more along the lines developed post-book, but you're looking to gain credibility, you have to have a very narrow say-do gap. That is, there has to be a very narrow space between your actions and your words. You have to be trustworthy. You have to follow through. You have to live up to your commitments. And really, that's what meeting and exceeding standards means. Well, that is very powerful. And, you know, it, it's so funny because these principles are um, just so common sense when you are in leadership, but the way that you have articulated and framed it, I, I think, just really hits home. And and so the next one, I think, uh, is equally important. Make timely decisions and find the 80% solution. I think everyone on this call and, and those who are listening to uh, this recording after the fact have been in situations where you've had people that, that were really capable of being great leaders, but they just are are paralyzed by by that whole analysis of all of the options. Exactly, so they don't do anything, right? Right. (laughs) They have no opportunity to influence an outcome um, because they, again, through their indecisiveness, they become victims of circumstance or at the mercy of external circumstances. And I think, again, whereas we approach the holiday season, and I know, Chicky, too, with with your travel work that you're taking upon, you know, it's like travel, right? You you make a decision in February that you're going to take a summer vacation. The decision is made. But then you don't take action to influence it. And so as time passes, suddenly the fares go up. Suddenly, again, you, you don't get to coordinate with your friends. Like you can't get them on board. and You miss out on the opportunity altogether. So what we encourage um, people to be decisive is just recognize there's no such thing as a perfect decision. You know, there, save your perfect for you know, your ability to develop your performance for your ability to meet and exceed standards. But when it comes to decisions, there's no such thing as a perfect decision because you can't predict the outcome. You have no way of knowing how your decision, you know, is going to result. You can think you know, but but again, perfection isn't for decision-making. So what we encourage people to do is reach an 80% solution. And within that 80%, it's, you know, doing research, it's asking experts, it's building consensus. But at the end of the day, you have to make the call. There's nothing more frustrating than being on the receiving end of an indecisive leader because you're just not able to take action. 
So give us an example of this uh, from the front, from from the Marines of, of do they encourage making decisions when you don't have all of the information? Because it seems like, you know, in a life or death situation, that could be a little risky. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I, you know, think about the average Marine going into, you know, a, you know, a, an env- a combat environment, first and foremost, you've got to take perfect out the window. You're looking to influence the situation. You just have to continuously taking, take action. There's no standard operating procedure for the average Marine in a combat environment. They have no way of knowing um, if their actions are going to produce success. They certainly have mm-hmm. their training. They certainly have precedents to look upon. But in many situations, this is a new environment. They're just taught to continuously take action. And 80%, you know, again, making this timely decision, 80% of solution is really relevant to the decision that you have to make. Some of us get, you know, the luxury of time to be decisive. Again, if you're going to take a vacation, you've got a couple weeks there where you can plan. But if you're a Marine in the moment, you've got to make a call. Right. So... when just, uh, when things don't go right, uh, you know, this next one kind of kicks in. <laughs> Seek to take responsibility before you begin to take or place blame. Yeah, it, it really is about accountability, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> At the heart of this chapter that we wrote about was just, you know, you see too often in our society when there's a problem and people are close enough to it, suddenly they distance themselves from it. It's very natural to place blame, you know, blame technology, blame individual, blame circumstances, regardless. It's very easy to distance yourself when something goes wrong. But leaders recognize that if they're close enough to a problem, they likely had something to do with it. Therefore, they step up and they start to see, you know, again, how how they contributed to the situation. It's funny, as we talk about this, I'm in the middle of a project with um, a consulting work. I'm developing leadership curriculum for um, a fast-growing um, restaurant chain. It's, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm writing their, writing their manuals and working with their operators to devise situations around accountability. And one of the situations we're writing about um, is sexual harassment in the workplace. You know, so if I'm a manager at a restaurant and sexual harassment is happening in my restaurant environment, it's very easy to point out the people who cause the problem. But really the hard part is, you know, kind of pointing the thumb at yourself and saying, what did I do to contribute to an environment that this type of behavior happened? And that's really Mm -hmm. true accountability. Again, if you're leading from the front and bad things happen, you know, certainly you're not responsible for all the problems in the world. You can't control people, but you have to have an eye for accountability because that's where solutions happen. Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing that pops out in my mind about this particular one is is parenting. And, uh, you know, it, it's fairly easy to place blame, you know, with, with children for what they're doing. But, you know, what, what have you laid <laughs> as groundwork and precedent, um, you know, again, that, that creates that? Because, you know, history does repeat itself. So, um that that one uh, hits really close to home for me i've i've got uh, preteens and teenagers so <laughs> uh so I the next one i'm sorry go ahead oh no it's just a bitter pill to swallow sometime i mean an yes. argument with a spouse a, ch- a child m- missing an expectation one of your employees you know mm-hmm. failing at a task it's so bitter to swallow that pill but what you right. do earn is trust 
You know, if you yes, can yes. build an accountability where account, an environment where accountability can happen, people trust that you're going to do the right thing versus, you know, throw them under a bus when a problem pops up. Right, right. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm I'm at that place. Um, you know, I'll come back to parenting for just a second. Of uh, my my 13 year old um, shared with me this week that that um, she forged my signature on something. <laughs> And she's, you know, she prefaced. I laugh because me, I'm envisioning that's going to happen to me one day. But keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, she prefaced it by saying, "Now I know that this is going to elicit punishment, but I need to tell you this because it's bothering me." And you know, I was so proud of her. First of all, for telling me the truth, right? And and then oh, I also had the flashback back to the number of things that I forged on my parents' behalf. And so we ended up having a really nice conversation about it. And, you know, I I, uh, gave her grace for this time, but I said if it happens again, you know, full punishment. Uh, But I just want want to let you know that here's what I learned from when it it happened to me, and I I wasn't as forthcoming with my mom as you just were with me. So, um, you know, I think it's it's interesting how these principles uh, apply across every spectrum of our lives. And, and again, at the the battlefield front line, at the corporate front line, and at the home front line. So let's talk about this next one because, again, I think these all all, uh, build on each other. They're they're really more of building blocks to leadership um, than being able to extract particular one that applies to you true leaders dedicate themselves to service take care of those who you lead well to your point chicky one of the things that we hoped with our book was that you know you're not just a leader when you're at work really it's a lifestyle and your leadership style builds your character Mm -hmm. as an individual which is why we included in our book a variety of different stories but truthfully at the heart of the next leadership practice it's about service If you're looking to build a team, whether it be your family, whether it be the relationship, again, with your friends or your spouse, or whether it's, again, the the colleagues that you're interacting with, if you're really looking to build that team, you have to take care of them first and put your needs aside. And that was demonstrated to me going into the Marine Corps, which has an amazing camaraderie-filled environment. Uh, The Marines pride themselves as being a close-knit group um, of individuals. In fact, you're never an ex-Marine or never a former Marine. It's once a Marine, always a Marine. And to really build that type of camaraderie, it's based upon service-based leadership. You're taught at the very early ages, early days of training that you're not allowed to use the words I, me, or we. You have to refer to yourself as this candidate. And it feels certainly like you're being hazed, but what you're learning is to put your needs second. It's about the team first. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do because I think as individuals we grow up really selfish. Like again, I've got a I've got a one year old who's roaming around my house somewhere right now, and he's not thinking of what can I do to make mommy's life easier. He's thinking, <laughs> how can I get my milk? <laughs> Who's going to change my diaper? So again, we're selfish. We, we you know again we grow into that. Well, it sounds like you and Christine have a lot in common. <laughs> oh really, Christine? We'll have to get a mommy date together. <laughs> And so again, it's like you know, it, it's it's contrary to human nature right. uh, to 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 focus first. And I think this is actually a skill women do really well in the work environment is take care of people. I think again, if there's a strength women have, it's our innate ability to be caretakers. And so mm-hmm. what works really well at home actually works really well in the work environment. And taking care isn't you know baking brownies. Certainly that's nice things to do, but it's really about you know empowering others, engaging with them providing them resources, just asking yourself, 
what can I do to make their life better? And if you're having a, a problem with a colleague or a coworker, you know, seek service. What's a service solution? You know, mm-hmm. what can you know? What's what's their view of the world? What can I do to help them? It's it's a tough place to get to, but when you can really lead with service, you can build a team. Right, and you know, I think that uh, again uh, sets the stage for the the next one from chapter five, which is think before you act and especially before you overreact. And, you know, this is one that that personally I I have had challenges with, particularly when I was in a corporate environment. And I spent, uh, of of my 30-year career, about half of it, uh, the first half was in, in corporate life. And I didn't always think before I acted. And, and uh, I don't know whether I now attribute this to age, but, you know, Clearly, you are looking at at Marines that uh, many of whom are are in their early twenties, um, who are taught this. So it doesn't have to be something that you wait until you're in your fifties to learn. I think the, the the thing that really carried over from my Marine Corps experience is that if people are coming to you with problems, they want you to be the calm. Again, we were taught that we we're going to go to some hot, heated areas, and we needed to be the force of calm. And the best way that you do that is just through your example. And I'll say, Chicky, judging from your conversation with your teenager, you probably definitely learned how to embrace this. I mean, again, think before you act. What had you done? Had you freaked out if you're, you know, upon hearing that your signature was forged? You probably would have cut off lines from communication with that individual, right, <laughs> with your daughter. <laughs> and I think about the same thing. My my six-year-old came home the other day with a a portrait of himself from his art class, front and back. And while I'm sure the art teacher had said, you know, draw a self-portrait of yourself, I'm positive she didn't say, do it of yourself in the nude. Yet that's <laughs> what, what I was looking at. <laughs> and again, it's like, you know, oh, mantra, no. think before you act. What would have happened had I freaked out on him? Right. Probably a different outcome. He probably wouldn't have told me in the future of a problem or a circumstance right. or something. Again, it's like you you... You want to be the person who gets to the heart of the issue. You want to encourage complete disclosure because right. that's where trust is really built. Exactly. Well, this one, I think, and we've talked about this on other calls, uh, this one is particularly important in this electronic culture that we live in. So think before you hit send is how I would also <laughs> clarify this one yeah, because exactly. it is particularly easy to overreact uh, in email and and you know I suppose in texting although I don't don't usually use texting for emotionally charged activity <laughs> that's probably a, a great thing yeah exactly it goes back to distrust there's a reason there's right. a draft folder use it now this next one uh, this is one that we would all have expected uh, from your Marine Corps uh, background but help us understand how it transitions into corporate life when faced with a crisis aviate navigate, and communicate? Well, I think everyone on the call has probably had a personal or professional crisis or crises that they've navigated. Um, And really what human instinct tells us to do sometimes is just hunker down or paralyzes us into inaction. And really it's aviate. you got to keep your plane in the air. you got to navigate. you still got to be moving forward to where you're headed. you got to communicate. You know, you have to talk to people who can assist you in a crisis. And so it's again, it's a mantra aviators use when that little red light goes off, and they're not sure quite yet what that red light means. But it's again, you still got to keep your plane in the air. 
Yeah, I think for for some professionals out there, when they have a crisis, they just hunker down or they they crash on you know crash on the moment they receive the crisis. But leaders really work. You know, in many ways, it's cathartic. It's just a really great thing to remind yourself. You got to keep moving forward. Right. Very good. So the next one is courage, initiative, plus perseverance plus integrity equals success. It's our formula. (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of executive coaching, as does my business partner. And, you know, again, formally and formally, the people that you talk to, everyone's got great goals. But the difference between goals and dreams is a plan. And so it, it really is starting with courage and then taking action. And I think the thing about initiative, oftentimes I think people... Uh, professionals particularly think their their options are so narrow when really they haven't even begun to explore them. And you, Chicky, being a serial entrepreneur, you probably have that idea too. Um, you know, in a world of possibility, it does have to start with courage and initiative. Right. But perseverance is, is the one thing. You know, and I, I'm not sure in corporate life um, that this is as prevalent now as, as it was when, when most of us in, in the Executive Girlfriends group got into the workplace because, uh, you know, we're in such an instant gratification culture. And mm-hmm. when when we first, most of, or, well, certainly all the people on the call today, but most of, of the original members of Egg were, were from the travel industry. And so, you know, we came into the industry when the, most of the major companies were privately held, and then they went public, and now they're owned by private equity. So the 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 vision, the long-term planning, has that window's gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. So you don't have to persevere. Maybe you're persevering until the next quarter's results, but it's right. not that long-term. I've really got to stick with this to see what happens because business units and products get shut down, you know, just in the blink of an eye if they're not profitable. So, you know, I think perseverance is one that certainly, you know, is no stranger, um, you know, to the entrepreneur. But I think that this is one thing that that could really be, um, you know, part of a learning uh, program within the leadership topic uh, in corporations. And, And I think even integrity, you know, just what's the real definition of integrity? I always, you know, with my real definition of integrity, it's what you do when no one else is watching. Mm-hmm. And it's the right, I mean, it's doing the right thing always. And it's one of those things, you know, you don't always know when integrity is present, but you do know when it's absent. And that's not a favorable place to be. Mm-hmm. I, it was funny, I was having a conversation last night, it was about politics with a girlfriend. And I, you know, it was it was about integrity. And to me, I mean, that's everything. If if somebody yeah, proves once it's that they gone, don't, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was laughing. I, I mentioned to her, I'm like, I'm not a priest. I am not a pastor. I do not offer redemption. Once it's gone, it's gone. As far as I'm concerned, right. it's nearly impossible for you to rebuild that with me. Mm, so yeah, it's the, the heavy-handed score of integrity. And I think too, again, I mean, we all have to live with ourselves at the end of the night. We all have to close our eyes on our pillow. And, you know, so every day we challenge ourselves. How do we want to show mm-hmm. up? Yeah, and I, I have, I also have an 11-year-old son, and, and we talk to him all the time about being able to look himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And, and integrity to me is being able to actually look yourself in the eyes in the mirror. 
And I think, too, with goal setting, I mean, what what a sweeter goal to know that your integrity was intact upon goal accomplishment. So especially mm-hmm. with the with the younger set and the teenagers, um, it's not just, again, how the goal you accomplish, it's how you went about achieving it. Right, right. So the next one, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to need this with my 13-year-old here sometime soon, don't cry over something or someone that won't cry over you. And this is the one that uh, we get the most feedback from simply because what we're, you know, on the surface, we're saying don't cry at work. But really, it's it's make sure you keep those really heightened special emotions in check. And so sometimes at work, there are situations where, again, if you're not a crier, it's a please substitute the word complain or guilt or gossip or whatever negative emotion you bring in the workplace. Going back to the statement, you know, you have to lead through actions. You can't lead through words. And your presence says a lot. You know, we we call it a command presence only because that's what we learned in the Marine Corps. But but how do you want to show up? You know, you want to inspire trust. You want to inspire confidence. And that's not to say, because it's real here, it's not to say that tears in the workplace don't happen. It's just as a leader, you really have to work through some sort of cathartic measure to make sure that the emotions that you bring forth are ones that inspire and aren't ones that alienate. This is where my Marine Corps career really came into play. Again, an extremely male work environment. I just learned quite quickly, you don't cry. Um, if, if you want to lose your credibility quickly with this audience, you just don't cry. But it took me a long time in the corporate world to really understand what that was about. It wasn't just tears themselves. It really was, again, about the emotional presence. And I always say, too, because I've had these emotions where you start, you know, you get the lump in your throat and you start to feel, you know, that, you know, your eyes are welling up. Do whatever you can to buy time. Mm-hmm. Excuse yourself. Go into your office. Call your office spouse. It's not, again, a romantic relationship. It's just that person who can put some reason in your mind quite quickly. So buy some time if you feel. And I also, too, like tears or extreme emotions like anger or, again, guilt, that's a pink flag before it turns red. That means something else is going on. It might not just be about the situation. Perhaps there's a conversation you need to have or a conflict you need to resolve right. or maybe some baggage in, at home that's coming into work. Right. Just really work hard to to think about what you can do to have that presence. Right. Well, and, and I think that this one, uh, uh, again, sets uh, the stage perfectly for this next one, which is, you know, say you're sorry only when you're at fault. And, you know, in, in, in my house, and, and I, I don't know that I would extend this to my business if I've ever said this out loud, but at home we don't, we don't allow our kids to say they're sorry um, because most of the time what they really need to say is, you know, yes, ma'am, I won't do it again, <laughs> right, uh, in that, that case. So it, it isn't being, uh, and with children a lot of times it's not being sorry for the consequences of of your choices, but it's being sorry you got caught. So in the business world, um, you know, I, I recently had a, a situation where someone uh, used an inappropriate method of communication to deliver a bunch of information that would have been handled differently if it had been in a, in a face-to-face conversation. And, you know, I, I didn't want them to say they were sorry for what they said because I knew it came from their heart, but they did need to be sorry for the impact. Uh, of of the 
wheels that got set in motion by their choices. So so tell me about this one because you know this whole issue of being responsible for your your actions and for your word choice and your venue choice and your timing choice hits us in every aspect of our life. This is and this was actually probably one of the most girly if I can use that phrase um woman related how's that that might be better woman related principles that we came across and only because we have seen women undermine their communications by mm-hmm. using passive language such uh, as I'm sorry I have the solution or I'm sorry I, I need to pass off this note or I'm sorry did I interrupt you I think women we say are sorry more than we absolutely should um, mm. There is such power in a well-placed apology, but when you abuse it so often, the power is gone. And it's exactly. not just, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's also, too, it's like the other expressions. Like you're sitting in a in a conference room um, with your peers and you, you have a point and, you know, to put your point through, you say, um, you know, again, uh, I might have the solution here or I might have the idea well, suddenly you're just undermining what it is you're about to say yeah. right then. So just remove those passive passive words so you really can just promote the strength in your communication. Mm. Yeah, very, very important. And, and, and how I'm you deal with that. One. Yeah, and I'm a victim of this one, so I know it's sometimes hard to do, but I really worked hard to eliminate the sorry. And people, when I say I'm sorry, they know I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'd have to ask uh, the the people on the call who I'm close to if I say it because I I think I don't because I don't let my kids do it. So, um, but I'll have to look back at my behaviors of of whether I use that that kind of language. Well, so the the final one I think is really the essence uh, of all of this is is that we have to bring to bear to leadership who we are. And so the last one in Chapter 10 is always lead as you are. And it's um, interesting on purpose. If if there's anything on purpose, it was this (laughs) with our book. Mm -hmm. Um, We wanted to start off talking about credibility, and we wanted to leave on authenticity. Again, credibility has to be your foundation, but really ties it all together as you. I mean, consider my Marine Corps experience. What would have happened if on the very first day of troop leadership I had inherited, you know, 50 Marines to be in my platoon? I would have spent the night prior watching Clint Eastwood, you know, reviewing um, all, all those wonderful Marine movies and then got in front of my troops and started talking deep, you know, puffing out my chest, which would have been unimpressive on a variety of different levels. But, you know, if I was just acting like a guy, it would have been a complete joke. I would have lost all credibility before I even got to show my capability. The only way to lead is just to really understand and appreciate your strengths, embrace them, and to acknowledge your weaknesses and work to improve upon them in ways, of course, that are consistent with your true personality. It takes so much energy to try to be somebody you're not. Focus that energy that, you know, otherwise would be spent on that towards developing yourself as a leader and really just, again, embracing um, embracing who you are. And it's really easy to say be authentic, but what trips us up is everybody wants to be, you know, I think these are fundamental needs. Everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be respected. But when you go with work, trying to be so focused on being liked, you act in ways very consistent with your true personality and also, um, you know, leadership, really. 
You know, you're mm-hmm. this person of this group, you're that person of that group, you say what you think is going to make popular, you sit in a meeting, you don't, you don't really give your opinion, you say what the group says. Again, those things get you like. They never get your respect. Instead, if you mm-hmm. focus on respect-earning behaviors, which is, again, many of the leadership behaviors that we just described, nine times out of ten, you're going to be liked to. Mm. Well, Angie, this has been wonderful, and I know we plowed through an awful lot in in a short period of time. But uh, for our listeners, the book is called Leading from the Front, No Excuse Leadership Tactics for Women. And Angie Morgan was our guest. Her co-author is Courtney Lynch. And the book will help you improve your decision-making, focus, and performance as you learn to set an inspiring example, think fast on your feet, Stop making excuses. Take care of your team so they'll take care of you. Respond without overreacting, staying staying cool while dealing with crises, and have the courage to achieve your goals. Angie, it has been a pleasure. And uh, please tell Courtney that we were sorry she wasn't able to join us as well. Um, Perhaps uh, at some future date we can have both of you back. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and, and thank you for this opportunity, Chicky. It's been great talking about leadership on a Friday end of the week. It's, again, I like to start my Monday mornings that way, and I like to end on Fridays too. So. Well, Angie, thanks. can you tell our guests um, who are not EGG members how to get in touch with you? Because for our Executive Girlfriends Group members, they will have your direct contact information that they'll oh, be fantastic. able to uh, communicate with you directly. But for those who are not members, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. You know, the best way is through my email, and that's amorgan at leadstar.us. Also, too, if you're interested more in learning about uh, leadership, uh, please visit us online at www.leadstar.us or find us on Facebook as well. But again, amorgan at leadstar.us. Well, terrific, Angie. And you are welcome to join us any Friday afternoon. We're always on at 4.30, and we've got uh, some amazing guests uh, planned for the future. And if you want to check out our calendar for our upcoming calls, you can go to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com and just click on on the uh, upcoming speaker button. And... uh, Again, uh, Angie, have a terrific weekend, and you can stick with us. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and turn off the recorded portion so that we can hear from those who are live on the call, uh, but just bear with me for one second while I do that. Great. Thank you.